Welcome to episode 46 of the Champs and Chums podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ashton. Father-son fun talk on sports, life, and friendship. Coming up on episode 46, headlining our show with all the right stuff. We'll go one-on-one and best of with national award winning and Hall of Fame sports media columnist Steve Buffery. Father-son free-for-all will extend the Father's Day love. We'll go gold, silver, bronze for favorite father-son sports duos. And we'll head for home on episode 46 with our special segments. All Pro Go, a Did You Know Sports Spotlight, and Champs and Chums personal salutes to our stars on and off the field. That's all coming up on episode 46 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy June, everybody. We hope you're doing well. It's Anthony and Ashton in the co-host chair. So glad that you're with us here on episode 46. It is a special edition of Champs and Chums. That's right, everybody. It's the Father's Day month episode of the show. And we're so glad that you chose to join us here. Um, And it's now my privilege, my pleasure to introduce and reintroduce the co-host the co-star of Champs and Chums, my son, my pal, my chum, Ashton. Ashton, how you doing, my man? Well, I'm doing great, and I can't wait to start off episode 46. Episode 46, it's going to be a great one. Um, and here we are, Ashton, it's June. The weather's, um, well, the weather's getting real hot. It's, it's kind of a summer feel, but it's kind of very hot, hazy, humid, and... Um, I guess the air quality's been in the mind at the time of this recording. I mean, it's um, uh, it it's been a it's been an interesting start to the to the what we call the summer, Ashton. Yeah, it has been. It's been uh, you know, rainy some days, um, hot some days, and like you said, the the uh, humid uh, hu- uh, the humidity humidity is um, pretty bad because of the wildfires. Yeah, we certainly uh, want to wish uh, anyone who's listened to the show that's been impacted by that, or even in, indirectly imp- impacted by that. It's uh, yeah, it's a real changing scale as we think about the environment for sure. And uh, we hope everybody is safe and enjoying um, what has been Ashton a very, very action-packed June. Lots of things going on, but. Um, I mean, let's let's start it and kick it off with the heart of it, I guess, Ashton. It's been a it's been a big month for fathers and father figures out there because um, it was Father's Day, Ashton. And um, I mean, maybe just to kick off the show, I mean, uh, maybe you can just share a little bit about some of the fun activities we did over Father's Day. Well, yeah, um, on Father's Day weekend, 
uh, we went golfing, um, which was really fun. Uh, we played 18 holes. Well, you know, it, it might have been fun for you. It was kind of hit and miss for me, literally, fans, because uh, I believe, as uh, Mark Twain once said, that golf is, uh, is a great walk spoiled or something to that effect. <laughs> Anyways, keep going, Ashton. And uh, we had lots of fun uh, at Upper Unionville uh, Golf Club, and uh, uh, we had a great Father's Day weekend. Yeah, and there was a lot more on tap for that as well, too, because as you might recall, there was a Blue Jays game that was uh, included in that. Uh, an interesting affair. They lost to the, I believe it was the Baltimore Orioles. Or wait, Hang on a second here. Let me put this into focus, everybody. We left the the uh, the Rogers Center. The Jays, I believe, had the game in hand, and then um, unfortunately, um, the, the the team came back. The the team's escaping me right now. I don't know if it was the Orioles, um, but nonetheless, um, they lost the lead. Remember, we were in the car. We we're heading over to to uh, to the BMO Field. Yeah, I remember that. For sure. And we're both blanking on the team name, but that shows you how busy it's been. Um, so Blue Jays and then Ashton, of course, uh, we, we kicked off um, what was a fine uh, weekend, literally as well, too, uh, watching the TFC play. Why don't you describe for the fans what kind of experience you had there at the Toronto FC? They played, I believe it was the Nashville FC or the Nashville Sound. I can't remember. It was a SC, soccer club. Nashville SC. There you go. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. I haven't been in, um, two, two years. So, um, it was a really enjoyable experience. We also, uh, we had like these seats where we could go into like the West club, I think it was. And it was, uh, really fun in there. And, um, you know, the fans were electric and, uh, you know, just a great atmosphere. Yeah, it's always a great uh, culture over there. They got the uh, with the TFC. I mean, they've got the Red Patch Boys on the um, what is that? The north end of the stadium, I guess. And um, you know, the the as you said, the atmosphere is electric. The people get into it. Unfortunately, the uh, Toronto FC haven't really been able to put it together. But um, nonetheless, it was a special Father's Day weekend. And Ashton, I mean, we had that uh, wonderful Facebook Live that helped uh, get everything started. Um, and uh what does father's day mean to you well um it's about you know appreciating um the all the uh fathers father figures um who are you know helping their kids succeed and be happy in life and um do whatever they can to make their kids smile and have a good life well, that's a really great way to put it. Big, bright smile certainly is uh, great outcomes, and that's for uh, um, the the uh, the people in the life that fathers and father figures steward and help coach along to be great individuals and great team players, and then also the satisfaction we take as fathers to uh, to be able to make a meaningful contribution to the lives of the people that we love. So, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful weekend, and... Um, well, Ashton, let's keep moving here because June has been really busy and uh, uh, it's it also represented the end of school for you. So why don't you share with the fans how you uh, you felt you did and uh, sort of what the f what 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 the um, the next few uh, 
weeks, I guess, or even, I guess, a couple months away, but being able to plan for uh, what would be the next uh, next step in your journey? Uh, I think it's, um, you know, not just like um, just saying, oh, it's the end of school. Uh, I'm, I'm done uh, practicing school work. I have to, you know, find at least um, a day or two days a week to at least you know, study and get my mind back to, you know, it's not just, just summer break, but in, in just like two months, you're going to go back to school and you're going to have to know, uh, everything that you learn in grade five, but you're also going to have to know new things in grade six. Well, for sure. And that's where you're headed, my man. Uh, great job. And, um, you know, I, I was so proud for you. In fact, uh, pun intended, I'm honored that uh that you actually did some great things um you're able to hit the honor roll for the fifth consecutive year uh, what does it feel like that and what do you think are the ingredients necessary to be able to um to achieve that kind of thing well um well honor roll it basically means you have to have i guess three a's and then one b in the main subjects english math science social studies so, um, I, th- but honestly, I think it's about hard work and, you know, studying, um, not just the night before, but, um, many nights before to be ready for a test or be ready for a project, knowing what materials you have to bring in. And, uh, those are, those are the things you, you kind of, and I think you, you have to, um, be known for to get on honor roll. Well, there's a lot of great ingredients there that makes a perfect recipe for um, a great uh, champion of your craft, Ashton. So congratulations on a great school year. Um, you know, it's, uh, enjoy the time and uh, take some, some time to be able to continue that pursuit of, uh, of what's next ahead in, the, in what I believe will be a real promising uh, scholarly career for you. So well done, my man. Uh, well, listen, everybody. Uh, well, actually, you know, before we kind of come back to uh, one of the topics, um, you know, uh, baseball, Ash, and you had a, your first baseball tournament at the very top end of the month here in June. I know it seems like it's a few weeks back, but why don't you share with the fans what it was like to participate and compete in your first ever baseball tournament? Well, it was amazing, you know. Um, our Our team played like a real baseball team we were you know uh we were undefeated we won all three games and um unfortunately we we lost in the semifinals but you know we played as a team and we won as a team and we did just amazing that uh tournament day well tournament days right because it was a two-day uh event and uh you know what i think you guys should be mighty proud of what you were able to accomplish you know we always say in sports in a real short tournament a short series uh, anything can happen and you guys out uh out duel some really good teams uh in the brampton minor baseball league and uh you made your way all the way to the semifinal. uh had a had a very very um tough game against the race the Rays seem to be tough at the major league level and the community baseball level, Ashton. Um, but you uh, you performed well. You were pitching. You uh, you were um, making some contributions with the bat. And all around, I think it was a great team effort. Now, what's going on with the team on sort of the regular rounds, the, the regular season? 
well, uh, you know, we're we're not doing so good right now, but um, you know, uh, cause cause we've actually missed like two practices because it got canceled. But uh, you know what? Our team's gonna do good if we do uh, more practice. If we're working on the things we, you know, need to work on uh, that our coaches saw in the game that we that we may be lacking or not the best at. Uh, that's what's gonna help make us a better team, and uh, you know, just putting in the work. Well, I've seen you guys since the beginning of the season as well as the other parents. You guys have made some good strides. Um, it's going to be an interesting balance of the regular season, uh, working on the things that you guys can get better at and obviously being game ready for the playoffs. It's almost like we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs here. It's not matter what you do in the regular season, everybody. It's what you do in the playoffs. So it's going to be an interesting August, Ashton, as you guys head into that. But um yeah, a lot of fun times out in the on the ball diamond. It's been uh, real fun for all the parents to be able to watch uh, their kids go out there, perform, enjoy themselves, be part of a team, and uh, hit those common goals. So, um, so that's amazing. Uh, well, Ashton, let's come back to. Um, there has been a myriad of sports. I mean, obviously, the Stanley Cup final. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. Congratulations to you, my man, for going. I believe now it's seven and zero. In uh, father-son challenges, you beat me on the Stanley Cup picks. Uh, here we are. Uh, baseball season's been going on. There's been a whole host of things, including what Ashton and I just mentioned to you, which is the Toronto FC. Now, all of that plethora of sports description, all of those enormous and vast ways of describing so many sports, alongside the most recent example we just talked about with the Toronto FC, Kind of leads into our, our a very special best of guest that's coming up on episode 46, Ashton. Uh, why don't you let the fans know who's coming up on uh, on this big Father's Day month show? Uh, we have Steve Buffery coming up on the show. That's right. Uh, what an amazing and outstanding guest. Steve Buffery, National Award winning and Hall of Fame sports media columnist. You'd know him from the Toronto Sun, all the outstanding work he's done, Ashton. Um, and you've had a chance to learn a little bit more about his career. Why don't you share a little bit more about it? Yeah, so uh, Steve, he's been doing journalism for four decades. It's 40 years. 40 years, everybody. What an outstanding guest we have that's Steve Buffery, the Hall of Famer, National Award winner, who recently um, stepped away kind of from the full-time thing, from all his great work at uh, Toronto Sun. But Ashton, we could go down the line of the amazing things he's done. I mean, uh, uh, most recently Toronto FC, but he's done NHL, NBA, CFL, tennis, golf, boxing, figure skating harness racing 10 olympic games you don't want to miss this great interview uh that's steve buffrey um who's actually added to his family as well and he's got a young son named tommy that we're going to hear a lot more of the great experiences they've been doing as they're enjoying father-son time okay ashton well listen it's over to uh, our our special father-son free-for-all round and uh you know fans we were talking a little bit more well a lot more of course at the heart of champs and chums it's father-son fun talk about sports life and friendship so your humble host here your co-host decided that this month we're going to put a special signature on it 
and name our gold, silver, bronze for father and son sports duo. So Ashton, take it away for your bronze medal. My bronze medal is Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. Oh, what an amazing, amazing uh, um, uh, picks you've made there, Ashton. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, about Ken Griffey Sr.? Uh, so Ken Griffey Sr. was a uh, was born April tenth, nineteen fifty, and his first MLB debut was August twenty fifth, nineteen seventy three, for the Cincinnati Reds. And seventy three is a big year too, Ashton. Because that's when you were born. That's right. That's the year I was born. So tell us more about Ken Griffey Sr. And his last MLB appearance was May 31st, 1991 for the Seattle Mariners. Wow, what a great career he had. Three-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion. Ken Griffey Sr. is in the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. But we now have to to, uh, take all the great stuff of Ken Griffey Sr. and line it up with his son, Ashton talking about um, the kid they nicknamed Junior, or the kid Ken Griffey Jr. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So Ken Griffey Jr. was born November 21st, 1969. Uh, he, uh, his MLB debut was April 3rd, uh, 1989, for the Seattle Mariners. And his last MLB debut, or sorry, not debut, but last MLB appearance was um, May 31st, uh, 2010, for the Seattle Mariners. Well, I mean, listen, Junior did an amazing thing, uh, obviously following in his dad's footsteps, but uh, I I think actually being more tremendously accomplished, 13-time All-Star, an American League MVP in 97, 10-time Gold Glove Award, 7-time Silver Slugger. He was a 4-time American League home run leader, uh, what a uh, player he was. His number 24 is retired by the Seattle Mariners. He's in their Hall of Fame. He's also in where his dad's Hall of Fame is. His dad's recognition was the Cincinnati Reds. That is Ken Griffey Jr. Good stuff, Ashton. Well, it's over to dad for my uh, uh, bronze medal. And uh, I'm going to ta- follow your, ba- your baseball uh, route there too. Because my bronze medal is the father-son sports duo of Josh Barfield and Jesse Barfield. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Josh Barfield, the son first, Ashton. He was born December 17, 1982. He played and he made his major league debut for the uh, San Diego Padres. Um, he had 16 home runs, 112 ribbies. He played for the Padres and the Cleveland Indians, and that was Josh Barfield. But I tell you something, the, the, when I think of Jesse Barfield, Ashton, the, the father pair of this father-son duo, uh, it feels like I, I was at the heart of my love for the Blue Jays. Um, Jesse Barfield uh, debuted in September of 1981 for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he actually ended his uh, career, everybody, uh, for the Yamaguri Giants of the Japanese League in, in uh, October of 1993. Uh, 241 home runs, 716 ribbies. What a Blue Jay. What a gentleman. Those are two, great, the two greats who are one father-son duo. That's Josh and Jesse Barfield. Good stuff. Okay, Ashton, over to you for your silver medal. My silver medal is Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods. 
Oh, what an amazing selection you've got there. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Charlie Woods. Well, uh, Charlie Woods, um, he actually fought, well, most of you know, he followed his father's footsteps uh, while playing golf. And uh, Charlie began his interest in golf at the age of four in 2016. He played his fr- in his first golf tournament at a-, a U.S. kids golf event in Florida. In that tournament, he finished second, shooting 55 for nine holes. All of this being a 14-year-old kid, eh, Ashton? Like, I mean, this guy, it seems it doesn't matter how big the stage is. He just performs just like his dad would. Let's turn it over to dad now. The incomparable, everybody. Probably one of the greatest athletes of sport because he transcended the game. That's Tiger Woods, Ashton. Uh, what do you want to say about Tiger Woods? Well, well, Tiger Woods, he is an amazing golfer. Uh, I think he's the GOAT of golfing, in my opinion. Um, well, look at the record here, Ashton. I mean, 82 wins on, on the PGA Tour, tied first all time. Yep. On the European Tour, 41. I mean, he's won the Masters, not once, everybody, not twice, Make that five-time Masters champion. Uh, what else has he, has he accomplished, Ashton? He's done a lot. Well, he's won the PGA Championship four times. He's won the U.S. Open three times. And the Open Championship, he's won three times. PGA Player of the Year. Uh, it's got to be probably ten times here. Um, World Golf Hall of Famer in 2021. I mean, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, he, he still playing some events but it seems like father time and and the injuries have really crept up on him but what an amazing father-son duo by ashton that silver medalist charlie woods and tiger woods okay ashton i'm gonna bring it more closer to home for my silver medal it's kind of got a little bit of a blue and white shine to it so fans my father-son duo for uh, uh famous father-son sports duo or favorite father-son sports doer. They are famous as well, too, everybody. My silver medalist is William Nylander and Michael Nylander. And let me say it, like our past guest, our best-of guest, Mike Ross, everybody, he of the dulcet tones, the public address announcer of the Toronto Maple Leafs, to say, William Nylander. Ashton, what do you think about that? Um, well, if you're trying to compare it to Mike Ross, you're... I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. you got nothing. I got it. nothing on that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely fell short, but I did my best given the fact I'm behind a microphone. Shout out to a champ and chum, our guest from last month, Mike Ross, the public address announcer. Can't do it as perfect as him, but let me tell you how perfect William Nylander is because he was the eighth overall pick by your Toronto Maple Leafs, everybody. Uh, he was born on May 1st in Calgary, Alberta. And he's, you know, put together a really, really um, solid NHL career, Ashton. I mean, you know, he uh, he played in the World Championships. But what he's done as a Maple Leaf, Ashton, is, is quite, quite impressive. Uh, he's had... Uh, let's see now. Wow. He's had, uh, two 20 goals, two, two 20 goal seasons to start his first uh, full season with the Leafs back in 17, 2017, 2018. He then had 31 goals in 2019, 20. Uh, and then last year 
he uh, amassed his first 40-goal campaign, everybody. 40 goals, 47 assists, make it 87 points. What an outstanding Maple Leaf. That's William Nylander. Well, let's turn it over to his dad, Michael Nylander, by telling you more about this guy. And Ashton, when I was with the Leafs, this guy was still playing, and he learned a lot from his dad, Ashton. Uh, Michael Nylander um, may not have been tall in, in stature. He was just under six feet. But boy, could he um, stick handle, and, and he could score as well, too. He was originally drafted by the uh, Hartford Whalers in 1980, uh, ni- sorry, 1991. He went on to have an amazing career, especially even playing uh, on the international level at the World Championships, uh, winning a World Junior Championship and uh, getting gold, silvers, and bronze in, in the, in the uh, World Championships themselves. Um, uh, the senior, uh, William Nylander, uh, he played for Calgary, played for Tampa Bay, had some great seasons with Chicago, two back-to-back 20-plus goal seasons, Ashton. He then went on to play, as you might remember, for the New York Rangers in 2005-2006, had some great campaigns there. Um, 920 games he played, Ashton, an incredible amount, just missed the 1,000-game level. A real serviceable player, 679 points. That is Michael Nylander. Okay, Ashton, it's now time to share with the fans our gold medalists. We're going for the gold here, everybody, in this special Father's Day episode. And Ashton, I'm going to turn it over to you for your uh, gold medalist. Well, my gold medalists are Vladimir Guerrero Sr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Wow, you went placata. He went placata, everybody. Uh, Let's hope actually uh, Vladdy can go placata uh, more times this season to get the Jays back in a comfortable spot in this uh, whole MLB race. But Ashton, tell the fans more about one Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Sr. I'll start off with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um... So he's a first baseman, designated hitter, and apparently was a third baseman. That might have been in uh, in Triple uh, A with the Bisons, but uh, his MLB debut um, was April twenty sixth, twenty nineteen, for the Blue Jays, and his batting average is point two hundred eighty four. His home runs. Uh, are 115 and his rbis are 359 well i mean listen two-time all-star in a really young career of course he won the gold glove award last year ashton you you've got the um the um um the uh, bobblehead the, the bobblehead to prove it thank you very much but yeah tremendous early part of his career he's he's kind of you know a little flatlined a bit he's he's just trying to find his way everybody as most young players do but um vladimir guerrero jr is going to be i i believe to be a hall of fame uh candidate just like his dad ashton um you know uh, so following in the footsteps there he's just got the pedigree uh he's got the raw power the exit velocity on his pitches is incredible. Um, he's a Blue Jay. We hope he's a Blue Jay forever. That's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All right, let's let's now go to father uh, and your gold medalist. Tell us more about Vladimir Guerrero Sr. So Vladimir Guerrero Sr. He's a right. He was a right fielder and designated hitter. 
Uh, he was born February 9th, which is actually not far from you. Um, but he was born in 1975, so he's two years uh, younger than you. He batted right, and he threw right. Uh, his MLB debut was September 19th, 1996 for the Montreal Expos. Montreal, that's right. That's where Vladdy was uh, Was kind of, uh, his youth was there. Is it real? Is it not youth? His, his, his he was born there. As a young kid. Yeah, he was born there. Last, his last MLB appearance was September 28th, 2011 for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, his batting average was .318. His 318. His, uh, his hits were 2,590. Uh, his home runs were 449, and his RBIs were 1,496. That's, all, that's an amazing career. It, it, it's Hall of Fame indeed. He's a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, inducted in 2018, nine-time MLB All-Star, eight-time Silver Slugger. He's in the the uh, the, Anah- the Angels Hall of Los Angeles Angels Hall of Fame. He is Vlad the Impaler, but more so, he's the father of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's Ashton's gold medal. Okay, everybody, it's finally Dad here with my gold medal, and I'm going to take it close to home again because we're going back to what I believe, Ashton, was episode 18 of Champs and Chums where we had a very special guest, um, and that father-son duo, we never had the son on, but we had a legend on, a Canadian soccer, everybody, my gold medalist for favorite father-son sports duos, is Teal and Alex Bunbury. Uh, let's talk about Teal first, Ashton. I mean, uh, son followed in his dad's footsteps, being a great, great soccer player. You wanted to add something. And also, um, it's it's an interesting fact that my dad shared with me. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, he looked up to Teal Bunbury. No, he looked up to Alex Bunbury. Oh, Alex. Sorry about That's that. That's okay. I know you were where you were going with that one. But let's go back to Teal Bunbury because, you know, he's had an incredible MLS career, Ashton. In fact, the game that Ashton was speaking of that we went to watch on Father's Day weekend, who was playing in the uh, in, as a forward and a winger? It was Teal Bunbury. Plays for the Nashville SC. Um, had some great seasons uh, with the New England Revolution, uh, 231 appearances, uh, some big games there, played with Sporting Kansas City where his dad played, uh, represented Canada as, a, as an under uh, 17 and under 20 and under 23. And then remember, uh, he, um, he earned his uh, U.S. citizenship and started to represent the United States. So that's uh, Teal who's had an esteemed career on the MLS level. Now let's talk about Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer Alex Bunbury. Uh, what a, 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 you know, I grew up watching him play, and you, if you dial back on episode eighteen, everybody, you'll hear um, th- the love I profess for the way that man played the game, uh, and 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 just even his approach to um, to the way of life in terms of. Um, passion and commitment and dedication and excellence you see that through his academy right now the Alex Bunbury uh, soccer academy but Alex played in the CSL where I saw him play played with the Toronto Blizzard but of course he represented Canada many many times 66 caps Alex Bunbury had uh, he was inducted to the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame 
a wonderful uh, soccer player, world class, but a world class individual, Ashton. That's a great father son duo. What a way to end this great segment. That's Teal and Alex Bunbury. What a great uh, segment we just had. It's a special Father's Day episode, but Ashton, you're going to take us to break. This ends our father-son free-for-all segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Father-son fun talk. You're listening to episode 46 of the Champs and Chums podcast. And Ashton, it's now time for a next edition of our best of segment and what an outstanding guest we have for our fans this month hey ashton i got two questions for you my man are you ready to bring the right stuff on episode 46 sure am are you ready to headline with a sports media pleaser named beezer here on champs and chums of course well our very special guest has shown all the right stuff in one decorated career in sports journalism Our special guest has covered it all, and then some, proudly filing a lifelong craft that has spanned close to four decades. Information, analysis, and opinion. Our best of guests' work has been seen, heard, and discussed by many fans of sport in Canada and around the world. Signature storytelling in major print and over radio and television airwaves. He is best known for his all-star work for the Toronto Sun Post Media Network. Over his legendary career, his words and sentences would cover some of the world's biggest events in sport. NHL, NBA, CFL, MLB, 10 Olympic Games, boxing, figure skating, harness racing, MMA, and most recently, Major League Soccer with TFC. This resume only begins to describe the places that have been witness to his championship work. Our best of guest is a Hall of Famer, having been inducted into the Etobicoke Sports Hall of Fame in 2017, an inductee in the Ontario Boxing Hall of Fame. He was a finalist for the National Newspaper Award, and he was an award winner of the Sports Federation of Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, we're pleased to be joined by national award-winning and Hall of Fame sports media columnist, Steve Buffery. Steve, welcome to Champs and Chums. Well, it's great to be here, Anthony Ashton. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, A decorated resume, and it's so great to catch up. You know, um, geez, I'm thinking... Uh, the first time we had an opportunity to connect, it might have been through my work with the Maple Leafs, but then we moved on to tennis and golf and all the different adventures and experiences. And I have always viewed you as a pro among pros and and, and a really tremendous human being. And it's so great that we can reconnect and and talk about sports life and friendship, Beezer. Well, I appreciate that, Anthony. I felt the same way about you when you worked for those various organizations and I know that job is not easy you know it's that kind of work is never easy you're sort of you're, you know you're trying to keep the media happy which I know isn't it's not easy and you know you also got to work for whatever team organization you're representing so 
I know you're always walking a fine line, and uh, you did a very good job at that. Oh, well, that's great of you to say, Beezer. And, uh, yeah, it's just so amazing to, to catch up and have you on this program. And we're looking forward to this best of chat with our special guest, Steve Buffery. Um, so, uh, Beezer, uh, uh, it's Dad over here to the left of the broadcast booth just to kick off our great conversation with you. And, uh, you know, I just went over for the fans, all our great listeners on Champs and Chums, the uh, – the illustrious career. I, I, I know uh, just recently you stepped away from uh, your wonderful work with the Toronto Sun, and I know there's more great things ahead in, in your career, but why don't you take us back and let's dial back to your early interest and ambitions to get into sports journalism? Yeah, okay, well, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I, I, was, I was never like one of these kids in high school that had like, you know, big plans. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, that kind of thing. And um, after, uh, you know, um, I thought I'd want to be a gym teacher, but uh, that didn't work out. Uh, and I, my university career was short-lived. So I was working full-time at a squash club, if you guys remember that sport. I mean, I don't know if that many people play it anymore. That's but, right. Jonathan Power would have been a name I remember. Yeah. yeah, one of the great, great unknown, I would say, athletes of Toronto that people should know better. Um but, yeah, so it was a great place to work, run by this New Zealand fellow named uh, Marie Christensen. Great guy. Great job. Worked full-time there. Free squash when I was not working. It was awesome. Um, but my mom didn't really want me working at a squash club the rest of my life. So she, and I, you know, like I said, I wasn't planning to go back to university because that didn't work out very well. So my mom handed me a pamphlet for Humber College Journalism Program, and you know, I sort of reluctantly signed up, and they took me in, and... Uh, I guess you could say I went on, I moved on from there. So I sort of lucked into the, the uh, business, Anthony. Um, I don't think anybody could do that uh, today because, you know, I never, I never even got a diploma. I left after the second year, or before the end of second year, because I was covering the hockey team for the college newspaper, the Hummer Hawks. That's and, right. Uh, I stopped going to class, generally speaking, because okay. I was still working full time at the squash club. And uh, the, the, the journalism corner kept, you know, asking me, please go to class. Please, we love you, but you have to go to class. So I'm like, ah, it's okay. And so when the hockey season ended at, at Humber, he basically said, you know, we, you know, if you won't go to class, you can't stay. So I'm basically saying, well, that's fine. And then he said, but I know a guy who's a, the editor-in-chief at the Aurora Banner, which was a bi-weekly newspaper up in Aurora, Ontario at the time. He needs a sports editor. And at first I was even reluctant to even – you know, interview for that. And I'm like, no, it's okay. He's like, no, please go up there and talk to him. So I went up there. They were in the midst of a, uh, a New Year's Eve party in the office. And the guy sat me down. Can you lay out? No. Can you take pictures? No. You write cut lines? No. Well, what do you do? I said, well, I can write. And he, so I gave him some samples. And after about 15 minutes, he hired me on the spot. And so uh, the next Monday I started and that was 41 years ago. Oh, that's that's awesome, and uh, you know uh, we're so glad. I know you you mentioned at the outset, you, you know, you didn't feel you had a plan. We're so glad that you uh, you found your way into the world of journalism, and of, of course, uh, many of our fans would know you for, uh, of course, the uh, the impressive work that you've done in, in a long career with the Toronto Sun. How how did that all kind of come into be? Well, that's a, kind of another kind of a weird story. So. I spent a year and a half at Aurora Banner, and the, and the boss there who hired me, it was Metroland, which is owned by the Star. It still is. And he got transferred to the Etobicoke Guardian, which is a promotion. 
And then he brought me down to the sports editor, which is great because Tobico is my hometown, you know. And I spent a year and a half there. And then one day, uh, I got a call from George Gross, who you know, Anthony. I'm, That's remember, right. Yeah, yeah. Who's a sports Beautiful editor? Beautiful man. Yeah. Oh yeah, sports editor at the Toronto Sun, legend. And he said, uh, he called me and said, hey, Keto, I got your resume. Would you love coming? Keto, for yeah, that's class? right. <laughs> and I'm like, resume? I didn't send him a resume, but I'm like, sure, George, thanks. It turns out my wife, knowing that I had no real uh, ambition, forged a resume for me and sent it into George on my behalf. Oh, okay. Without telling me. <laughs> oh, okay. So fortunately for me, George was an Etobicoke, Tobian, and used to read the Etobicoke Guardian. So again, I went in to see him. Five-minute interview, he hired me on the spot, and that was 38 years ago this month. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, I didn't even know I sent – I didn't have a resume. But uh, – and the other thing, too, Anthony, is, like, you know, I I, re I really lucked out, like, to get my foot in the door. But I did something that you couldn't do now. So, I, as I said with my daughter before she went to York University, you, you know, you really have to have a degree or diploma just to get your foot in the door. Now, you can't do what I did and just sort of – lucky into these jobs anymore um so you know i was lucky i really was and i know that you know well you know what they say in sports you gotta be uh lucky to be good and good to be lucky as if i remember some of those quotables for from some athletes some days gone by so we're so glad that you made that choice and how you um uh, you know, uh, manufactured and, and produced such a great career is amazing. And I heard some amazing names there. Uh, most recently, you talked about the Baron, but let, let's talk about this uh, mentorship because right. we talk about a lot about this on Champs and Chums, how important it is, you know, you know, for certainly from the sports vein, but any walk of life, it's really important to have great mentors in your life to help bring you along, to help help you with a compass of sort of what success and greatness looks like. How about you? I mean, maybe you can share uh, some of the great mentors in your life and how they helped you build success as a person and also as a media pro. So mentors as in the business or mentors growing up or? Yeah. I mean, you could, you should sort of pick and choose there. I mean, certainly as it relates to your great career in media, but I mean, um, you know, I think what I what I meant by that opening is that, you know, there's so many mentors in life that help you move along, yeah. right, in, in your yeah. career choices. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I, I sort of had a, um, you know, I I, uh, I got sort of, we got sort of raised by our mom, right? But she was, she was just, a, my mentor is just as, you know, how uh, one person can do so much. Like we had eight kids in the family and sort of a single mother. My dad support us financially, I guess, but he was not around. He, you know, it's a long story, but anyway, but you know, I always, you know, I always read, uh, any newspaper sports section I could get my hands on. And this is before, of course, internet where you could read stuff online. That's but right. you know, I, I grew up reading like all the great Toronto sports writers from the past, Milton Al, Jim Proudfoot, Jim Hunt. And there was a guy out of Detroit. I used to, I used to get the, the Detroit paper, uh, once in a while, I'd see it downtown or, uh, you know, some of the places that my dad worked. A guy named, guy named Joe Falls, who was just an incredible, incredible writer. First great writer outside of Toronto I ever sort of got uh, familiar with. And uh, I had a great thrill of meeting him years later when I was at, uh, I think it was the Albertville Olympics in 92. Uh, and that might have been his last Olympics. And uh, just a wonderful man. He used to sit at the end of the table with all the Detroit writers and, all the guys would come and say, hey, Joe, how are you? Good to see you. And Joe would just sit there and go, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right, right. You know? 
I just and I remember an I you know I remember an article he wrote when I was still at the Tobacco Guardian. It was about him covering the Detroit Tigers uh, when they had all those great teams. And Sparky Anderson was the manager, and uh, he told a story about you couldn't even do this anymore, Anthony. He told a story about how he was waiting on the bus with Sparky Anderson. And all the players, they were waiting for one other guy, and it was the traveling secretary of the Tigers. This old guy had been around for like 45 years, and he was late. And all the players were like saying, well, let's go. Let's not wait for the guy. Let's go. We're in a hurry. You know, let's get to the airport. You know, get, we don't care about that guy. And Sparky Anderson stood up and said, you know, guys, we're not, this bus isn't leaving until old, you know, Fred Smith is on the bus. I don't remember the, the guy's name, but... And the players all kind of like complain. And, and anyway, and so the way that Joe Falls wrote this, and then he wrote that. And anyway, Joe Smith got onto the bus, the guy they're waiting for, old guy. And he said to all the players, geez, fellas, I really appreciate you uh, waiting for me. You're all a bunch of great guys, and I appreciate it. And Joe wrote that they all kind of slunk in the corner, kind of a, ashamed of themselves. Oh, for like okay. The bus leave them behind. But it was Sparky Anderson who... You know, told them that we're not leaving without old Joe. What's his name? And the way Joe wrote that column, Anthony, I never forgot it. And I always used to say to myself, "That's the way I would like to write someday." You know. Oh, that that's amazing. Long-winded story, but no, not at all. And you know, I mean, you're reminiscing and you're thinking about uh, you know great people uh, that that helped you along in your writing, and you know. And, and, you know, this is what was beautiful about me. And, you know, we talked at the outset how I came to know you through my work in, in, in on the sports PR side and and that role. And, you know, it was just amazing to work with the, the guys like Buffery and Simmons and Fidlin and um, just to be able to do this because I read you guys growing up. Like the Toronto Sun was the source for me growing up as a just north of a 50-year-old guy here um you know uh i feel real old now thanks. no well yeah well it has been a long time uh visa for sure oh, yeah. but i just more to say like how it's been such a pleasure to work with pros like you but being able as a young kid you know reading the box scores uh you know through the toronto sun uh, uh tabloids uh, broadsheets and all those kind of things and the star as well of course i would consume that stuff so it's just nice to hear the passion that comes before a lot of people in our industry. Um, right. and, and it's just, it, it's really nice. It's, it, it's really nice. Okay. I, I guess the mentors in, like in the business would be my first boss, Ron Wallace, yep. who hired me to roar at a Toby Co. Yep. And basically taught me that when you're in this business, Anthony, it's not a nine to five job. You can't just check out at five o'clock. Oh, that's you know. for sure. And George was a mentor. And another guy I wanted to mention was a guy named Jim Lawton. I don't know if you remember him. The name is familiar. Yeah. Yeah, he was a British writer. Uh, He passed a few years ago, but he was uh, out of London. He wrote for a couple of newspapers in England. And we used to use him. We used to write a monthly, a weekly column for us. But before Steve Simmons and I used to travel to Vegas to cover the big fights, Jim used to go to Vegas and he would like freelance for us. Mm -hmm. And he would, he would call the office after a big fight in Vegas, usually around 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, and he would dictate on the top of his head a column from a fight he just covered. Wow. Like, and I would I would always take the dictation, right? And I, would, I was absolutely amazed about how this guy at the top of his head could put together a, a column that was unbelievable. And I always, you know, he always ended his conversation with, you think that's okay to you, boy? And I'd say, damn, that is like, 
better than anything I'll ever write if I had six hours to do it. And, and but he had, anyway to make a lot of her, he he whenever I started doing uh, the fights myself and going to the Olympics, I became good friends with them and he always took me out for dinners with all the other British writers and he was just a great, great guy. You know, just I'll never forget him. Sadly he passed again. Yes, but, and, and you know it's 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 coming back into focus for me because you of course you would have said Jim Lawton and James Lawton was it was probably his handle when he wrote 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 all yeah, the, the James call Lawton, James yeah. Lawton that's right I yeah. I do know it now, uh well that's wonderful all right uh, uh Steve we're gonna turn it over to uh, my best of chum co-host nice. here on Champs and Chums Ashton who's got some good questions lined up for our best of guest Steve Buffery Ashton take it away. Steve, you've had outstanding success in your journalism career. Uh, the fans would love to know um, uh, some of your personal career highlights. Okay, well, thanks. That's a good question, Ashley. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I cover a lot of great events. Like, I covered the Blue Jays World Series, Elise playoffs run with Gilmore and all those guys, World Figure Skating Championships, World Track and Field. But I'd say probably the biggest, and a lot of the, Mike Tyson fights, including the one where you bit off the Vander Holyfield's. Oh, ear. you were there for that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I covered that one. Yeah. That, oh that was, wow. And uh, but I would say you know it'd be the ten Olympics because you know and the highlights of the ten Olympics would probably be Donovan Bailey's gold medal in Atlanta and then the Canadian four by one hundred meter relay win a week later. Um, Daniel Legale's gold medal win in wrestling in mm-hmm. two thousand Sydney Olympics because that was my sport wrestling. Um, Karen Lee Gardner's downhill skiing victory in 92 in Albertville. A lot of people don't remember that, but uh, that was a huge, nobody expected her to win that. And I remember the night before it was near the end of the Olympics and everybody was really tired and we drew straws, me, Steve Simmons, my good friend, late Christy Blatchford and a couple other people from the Toronto Sun chain to see who had to get up at four o'clock in the morning and take two buses to the, the downhill ski hill, mm-hmm. and I, of course, I lost. <laughs> you drew the straws. No one expecting Canadian to do anything, and you know, even though downhill is a sport that Canadians have always done pretty well in, like if you remember the crazy Canucks and all that. That's right, Podborski and, uh, and Ken Reed, and yeah. Right. So she ended up winning the darn thing, and I was the only Canadian media guy there. I think the CBC was there, <clears throat> and uh, it was amazing. I mean, that was. Uh, Something I'll never forget. And but I'd say the best. You know, I always tell people this, Ashton and Anthony. Probably the best thing I remember is an, it was '98 Nagano Japan Olympics, and the games were about to end, and the Canadian women's hockey team had lost to um, the U.S. in the gold medal game, and all the Canadian players were down in the dump. And there was a girl in the Canadian team named Vicky Sunahara from Toronto. That's right, a Scarborough gal. That's yeah, right. She went to Leacock College. I know this because I went right. to school at uh, in Scarborough, Winston Churchill. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you went to Churchill? I did. Man, that was our wrestling nemesis. They always had unbelievable wrestling teams. Yeah, we 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 did. I mean, I mean, I graduated in '92, so uh, '91, '92. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. Did Scarborough was. So, what's that? Did you still have wrestling teams in those days? Oh, we did. We had some great wrestling teams oh. there. But now you, you got me thinking, uh, Beezer, about you know Sunahara because there were a lot of great women hockey players on our team. We had uh, Karen Nystrom. Oh, you I remember. remember. You ever yeah. Karen Nystrom? She played for the Churchill team, and sure. yeah, yeah, some really good players. Well, anyway, Vicky uh, before the Olympics, 
Vicky told us a story. I think it was at the uh, Olympic trials or whatever. Told a cu- couple of us uh, a story at the Olympic trials about how she had promised her late father, who was of Japanese descent, that if she ever got to Japan with the team, she would visit their ancestral village, a place south of Nagano called Ueda. So anyway, she told us the story and, and some people from the National Film Board of Canada. So after they lost the gold medal to the U.S., she didn't really, we all expected to go down to Ueda. We'd made uh, plans and everything because uh, I thought it'd be a great story, but she didn't want to go because they'd lost a gold medal and she wasn't feeling it, but she changed her mind. And so we all went uh, down to this place called Ueda and it was the most profound experience I've ever had in this business because we get there and they had this little hotel and they're all waiting for, and as she got out of the bus, all these these long lost relatives of hers, her dad started singing to her and they made this human bridge that she went underneath. And then, you know, she, they just, she made the speech and she cried and wow. they were all hugging her and kissing her. And she'd never met any of these people before, but there was the long lost relatives and it was the most, and, and then we left and they sang to her again. And she was just like, we were all, we were all overcome. It was just, that's amazing. It was the most amazing thing. It better than any sporting event, like per se, like competition that uh, I've ever experienced in my career. Well, uh, you know, Beezer, I, I, you, you're a tremendous writer as you are, and the writers, uh, the, the great ones like you, they can always tell great stories as well. So I, it was, thank you for sharing that beautiful story um, about Vicky Sunahara, who, yeah, tremendous player and uh, obviously a beautiful moment. Uh, yeah, was it? And she said she was a really nice, she, well, she is. She is a really nice person, too, which, yes. you know, like... Uh, you know, like she when afterwards she really spoke from the heart, which made, you know, the national Mike Grippo and the National Film Board's uh, piece great, and basically, 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 she basically wrote my column for me, you know, which was awesome too, you know, like not literally wrote my column, but you know what I mean. She was so good that you couldn't help but write a great column, you know. That's right. Yeah. Steve, just a couple of days ago, I was looking over my dad's shoulder. And uh, he was looking at you. He your... does that quite a bit, uh, Beezer, looking <laughs> over my shoulder. <laughs> but uh, carry on, Ash. I don't know where you're going with this, Ash. And I don't know where you're going with this, but anyhow. And uh, he was looking at your Facebook page. And uh, as he was scrolling down, I could see uh, you and uh, Tommy, uh, your son, having some great times and great memories. Uh, so... What were what were some of the greatest lessons and words of advice you shared with your kids? Yeah, for Tommy and your daughter as well too, for sure. We'd love to hear. The fans would love to hear it. Um. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like. I'm. I'm sort of like. Uh, I'm a pretty uh, live and let die kind of person. If you know what that means. Like. I. I've never been like. Uh, I basically raised my daughter uh, when she was in high school. Um, and, you know, I was, uh, I probably been, should have been way more strict because she went a bit astray. Her marks were not very good and she missed a lot of classes. But as soon as she got into university, she completely turned it around, you know. She just plugged into the scene and started studying stuff that she enjoyed. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that I'm not strict. I don't have a lot of rules. My whole thing, you know, Ashton, was, you know, be a nice person, try to be happy, um, I was like that with my daughter, Mary. It's a little different with my son, Tommy, because 
his mom, you know, Filipino lady, way stricter than I am. It's funny that when, when, when somebody has to bring down the hammer, so to speak, it's not me. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm too easy going, you know, so it's my wife and, you know, but, uh, you know, just be, just, just treat people the way, um, you want to be treated. You know, um, I've always gone along with people like your dad at work and my, uh, my other, uh, other journalists, uh, you know, we, I mean, in, in our business action is your dad will tell you sometimes things get a little crazy and there might be some pushing, some shoving and some yelling, you know, you're, you're on deadline and everybody's under pressure. But at the end of the day, I'd like to think that, you know, I, I left the business friends with a lot of people and I, and my daughter is the same way. She's not as outgoing as I am. She's kind of shy. Tommy's kind of the same way a little bit, but really just, you know, try your best. And if your best isn't better than everybody else, that's, that's fine. And just be a good person is what I always just try to, you know, push. Beezer, we were talking a little bit off air, you know, uh, th- this is a podcast about sports life and friendship, and that covers a whole gamut of things. And it, it sounds like, um, you know, sport is really taken to, uh, to Tommy. You care to share a little bit more about some of the fun father son activities here. We are in our father's day month episode here in June talking about it. Do you care to share some of that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy's like, he likes sports. Like I'd have to say growing up, I was a sports fanatic. Anthony, but you know, I, I, everything was to sports with me. It was, it was a great escape for me. Um, Tommy's a little different. Tommy likes sports, but he doesn't watch sports like I did. Like, he'll, you know, if I'm watching a Leafs game or a Raptors game, he'll come in and, oh, what's the score? What's happening? And he'll watch for a bit and then he'll wander off. But I don't, I don't push it on him. Um, and he likes playing sports, but again, he's not a fanatic. Like, when I played sports, I had, I tried, I had no slow button. I just they used to call me Buzzsaw Buffery when I played because I just had no. <laughs> Tommy's way different. The same with my daughter, way more laid back. Yeah. Um, like I remember my daughter played soccer. Like she was really good, but she just didn't really, you know, want to try that hard. She's she's more artsy girl, but she was good. And once in a while, if we were losing, the coach would take her side and say, "Mary, we need a goal." So. She would hit the ball, go around a couple of people, score, and then lays the rest of the game away. And uh, Tom is kind of the same way. He likes sports, um, but he's not crazy about sports like I am. But you know what, guys? I, I You can't, you can't, I don't know about you, Ashton, but you can't push that on a kid. You know what I mean? You know, like someday a button might go off and he decides that he want, all he wants to do every day is play sports like I did. But as it is right now, he likes going. I think it's one of the reasons he likes doing sports, guys, is because I'm always there and I'm involved. I coach the soccer team for a couple of years, even though it's not my number one sport. And I, you know, I take them. I during the pandemic, I took them skating every day outside. So it was. It's a good way to. Uh, he likes doing sports. I think because it's always been a good way for us to do something together. I, uh, you know, you guys probably can relate to that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and you're right, uh, Beezer. It's not something I ever. Uh, uh, pushed upon Ashton. It was just sort of a natural love for it, Ashton. I guess you took with sports, right? It's it's not aided at all. Yeah, I mean, the big sports guy. Oh Are yes, yeah. Ashton, tell 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 uh, tell Beezer about some of the sports you love to do and play, and some of the adventures we've been on. Uh, well, 
I love to watch the Blue Jays, um, the Leafs, the Raptors, uh, the TFC. Can't watch as well. the Leafs much, Beezer. Way too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, on the TV I, for sure. <laughs> I've never taken Tommy to a Leafs or a Raptors game. Oh, games, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But keep going, Ashton. Yeah, you wanted to share more? And uh, I also love enjoying playing, uh, you know, baseball. If it's me playing a game in my league or um, just playing catch in the backyard with my dad. It's all it's always fun, and I love to play uh, basketball have as you, well. Have you got Tommy out uh, golfing at all? I took Ashton. Uh, he, we've gone maybe, we go a couple times uh, every summer. Have you taken him out golfing? I haven't done that because I gave my clubs away a few years ago. Right. I just decided that it took up too much time. But you know what? I've been thinking about that, Anthony. Like one thing I do, sport I do love that I haven't mentioned is thoroughbred horse racing. Yes. Up at Woodbine because I grew up near Woodbine and we used to ride our bikes there. And I knew a guy who was a jockey. And so I love going to the track. And I, I, took, I take Tommy up there once in a while. And uh, he, he's gotten to know the guys in the press box and the, and the Woodbine photographer, Michael Burns. And, Michael Burns is still up there. Okay, yeah. Michael Burns I, I connected with when I was at Bridgestone Firestone. He was doing some stuff in auto racing. Is he still doing That's that right. stuff too? Yeah, he does He does freelance. He does that and he does curling too. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, so I, so I take Tommy to the track and, you know, we, I, don't, I don't slam down bets when he's looking around like that. But <laughs> he, he likes to go to the paddock and look at the horses when they come out, you know, and... Just while we wander around, we don't stay from like the first race to the last, but it's, you know, we wander around and take up all that, you know, as you probably know, it's a very interesting crowd at Woodbine, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not a lease crowd. It's not like a bunch of stockbrokers from Bay Street, you know? A lot of fun there. Yes, I I, t- yeah. I, I took Ashton a couple times over his, oh, uh, yeah? well, his lifetime. Yeah, we had a, lot, we had a lot, lot of fun. In fact, I think... I had made the the bet for him. Five dollars. Was it five dollars? Yeah. Okay, and it was actually this long shot. And and ironically, the name of the horse that Ashton wanted to pick was Daddy's Great Bay. Was it or Daddy's Great Day? Daddy's Great Bay. Bay I think it Bay. Was. Yeah. yeah. And the right. horse won. Yeah. So and I put it, it to show. I put it to show. It was a long shot, and I'm I'm not much of a of a gambler on on the horse side so i um put it to show but the thing the thing won it must have been a 13 to 1 shot or something i don't know well that you know it's actually because just sunday i took tommy to track and he said in front of all the the clockers and the guys in the press box that um dad i like this horse i i said why he goes i like the name and i said you know what tommy that's as good a reason as any to it bet sure is a so-called <laughs> system that never works right yeah so, that's right <laughs> good stuff Good stuff. Well, you're listening to episode 46 of the Champs and Chums podcast. We're here with our best of guests, national award winning and Hall of Fame sports media columnist, Steve Buffery. So great to have him on the show for this chat. And uh, Beezer, um, you, you know, you started our, our great chat here talking about sort of your travels and, you know, going to Humber and education. And we do, do speak a lot about that on our show I wonder if you can share with the fans your views, given the experiences you've had and the ones with uh, Mary and Tommy as well, too. Uh, share the importance of education for young people today. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, like uh, like I said, I, I uh, had a bit of a checkered history in terms of my education. Um, you know, I think part of that came from, <clears throat> you know, not putting a damper on it, but coming from a broken family and, and, uh, not being pushed very much. Um, 
so I bounced around and, but again, I was very lucky and I, and I do know guys that, you know, if I didn't have a, you know, I couldn't do what I did if I started off today. You need, you need, in, at least in our business and in your business too, Anthony, you, you need a, a diploma or a degree just to get your foot in the door. Once you've got your foot in the door, it all comes down to what you can do and how hard you're willing to work. But it, it, getting your foot in the door and to do that, Nowadays, you absolutely need an education. And my, my daughter, uh, like I said, she had trouble in high school. I didn't think, she, think she'd get through high school, but she did get through it. And then she went to York, and she just blossomed. And, and you know, and uh, it's because she found something that she loved doing. And she wanted to go into journalism. Quite frankly, I talked her out of it because, as you know, Anthony, it's a tough, tough business right now. Sure it's is, just, yeah. It's so tough. And I, I told her, I said, Mary... You know, you know, newspapers are not hiring anybody. They're just laying people off. The business is almost dying. TV and radio are struggling right now. And even if you get hired, it's all contract work now pretty well. Very few benefits. So I sort of talked about journalism. And right now she's working at a head office for like a automobile insurance company. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a decent job. And But, you know, it's kind of boring and that's but. She, she still writes, and I always told her, and I'll tell Tommy this, um, you know, do what you like to do. My daughter likes, she wanted to get into journalism, but she liked writing. So she is writing, even though she's not doing it for a living. She's writing a book. Uh, she won't tell me what's it about, but I've seen her, you know, I've seen the pages, and she cuts me off as soon as I try to look. Mm. But, you know, follow your passion. And, you know, these days you really need, and I, if I had to, and not only that, guys, I really miss out with my older brother, my younger sister. I miss out the the university experience that all my buddies had. You know, I really wish I went through that. You know, I mean, I, I started in the business probably before most of the guys I work with at the Sun because most of them, if not all of them, finished their degrees. Um, but, um, and I started, you know, when I was like 20 in the business. But yeah, education for sure, you know, and find something that you're passionate about, you know. Great stuff. If I was a scholar, I'd say more. But no, great stuff. Uh, great words, words of wisdom from our from our best of guests. And and and, and Steve, we'll, we'll shift gears here. As Ashton was, uh, as you were chatting with him earlier in our our segment, just about some of the uh, fascinating memories you had. Um, you know, as we've said, Beezer, it's a people business. Uh, that wonderful world of sports and and media, and um, we are very certain you could probably have a laundry list of the fascinating people that Steve Buffery's had a chance to interview, but let's try to put a focus on it because I know the fans would love to hear from you, Steve. Um, who in your eyes maybe were some of the most fascinating people? I mean, maybe sports, I, I, I non-sports for sure, uh, if you'd like to include, but um, who were some of the most fascinating people that you had a chance to interview? Okay, well, I, I, I can think of that fairly easy. I'll start with, like, non-athletes, like John Gibbons, manager of the Blue Jays. Gibby, yeah. Um, just incredible guy. Just, just a, People used to say to me, you think Gibby's a good coach? I'd say, I don't know. I don't care. I just think he's a great guy. And uh, same with Sam Mitchell, the Raptors. Oh, Sam, yeah. Just a character. You know, like some people don't love the guy the way I did, but I just I love characters. And Sam was, Sam was like, boy, I mean, talk about... I don't know if Ashton understands what this means, but talk about not politically correct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, 
you know, uh, you know, uh, John gave a sandwich to Paul Beeson, the former president of the yeah. Blue Jays. Uh, Cecil Smith, you probably wouldn't know who that is, but he was uh, I, I, amateur athletics. No, there you go. Yeah, he was. Yeah. A, Cecil he was Smith, executive yeah. director of Ontario Track and Field. He was also uh, probably the best staff guy and track staff guy. He, he worked for the International Athletic Amateur Athletic Federation. Yes, just a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, when I did track and field and Olympics, he was my go-to guy. But he's just character, funny, just funny, funny guy. Welsh guy, immigrated to Canada. Um, another guy would be Charlie Francis. That's right. Coach, Ben Johnson's coach, but amazing guy. As far as athletes are concerned, I'd probably, some of my best friends in, in sports were from the boxing community, like uh, George Chavala was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of amateur fighters. Mike Strange was a three-time Olympian. He's now a Niagara Falls City Councillor. Is he a counselor now, Beezer? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a transformation. Yeah. Um, Dominic Lane, Mark Simmons, uh, Lennox Lewis, of course. Yeah. By name Troy Ross, who won a, people don't remember him. He won a silver medal the year Lennox Lewis won the gold and stole for well, Canada. Well, your champs and chumps, uh, I don't say we know a Troy Ross, but we know of him because I believe he's a Brampton boy. And he was yeah, just he inducted in the in the Brampton Sports Hall of Fame. Actually, the induction ceremonies are in a few weeks, I believe. Oh, excellent! Yeah, and he also, I think he still does. He runs a nurse a daycare with his wife. Okay. And uh, for the Raptors, I'd say Morris Peterson, Matt Bonner, Jalen Rose, uh, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, and Jeff O'Neill from the Leafs. Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, Josh Donaldson from the Jays, you know, it, controversial dude in some ways, but interesting guy and really down to earth for a big star. Um, Marco Estrada, you remember him? Oh yeah, Marco Estrada for sure had some uh, some great uh, great years with the Jays. Yeah, great backstory. Raised by his mom, uh, you know, in, in a sort of a tough area of Los Angeles. Um, just a great guy, sort of related to him because he sort of had sort of kind of the same background and. Right, Tim Mesa still plays for the uh, uh, the uh, Blue Jays. That's right, coming out of the pen, Tim Mesa, yeah. And just because he's just a nice, nice, you know, I did the rap or the Blue Jays beat. He's the kind of guy you could go up to every day, and just he's always happy to see you. Which you know, Anthony, it's not always an easy thing in pro sports. That's right. You know, these guys make so much money. Sometimes it's like they look at you like from Mars or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you, you named some great ones there, Beezer. So I asked you a question about interviewing um, sports athletes. Ashton's got a burning question about just sports sure. athletes in general. Ashton, take it away. Steve, throughout your sure. journalism career, um, you've probably met some fascinating athletes. So uh, who are some of your favorite athletes of all time and why? Well, you know, it'd be the guys I said, but I would say my favorite are, are guys that not necessarily were the best I ever covered, Ashton. They were sort of like guys with character, like real, like, um, you know, like people talk about Lennox Lewis, former heavyweight boxing champion. You know, you know, arguably the biggest thing you can win in pro sports as an individual athlete. But he was always, you know, when he, he fought for Canada as an amateur, gold medal in Seoul, as everybody knows, and then he turned pro and went back to his native England to fight because that's where the money and the connections were. A lot of people held that against him, but uh, 
you know, I never did. And I remember when he used to fight his big fights in Las Vegas or Atlantic City, it was always Steve Simmons or I would go for the Sun, Steve Brunt for the Globe, and Rick Fraser from the Star would cover the fights. Oh, yes, Rick Fraser. Yeah, and Lennox would, like, he would do the British media in the morning, the American media in the afternoon, and he would do the, us three Canadians in his hotel suite between them. So we used to get the best deal. But the funny thing was about Lennox was <laughs> he came to Canada as a teenager, kind of lost his English accent. And when he went back to England, he naturally sort of brought, you know, he came back. But mm -hmm. when, he, when he did his English interviews, it was very profound, very thick, his English accent. And when he did his uh, American media interviews, he lost his English accent. And then when he would do the Canadian guys, we'd always say to him, what accent are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's he right. Sort of did, he'd laugh and sort of do uh, the Canadian one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was yeah. A, a punishing heavyweight. And Ashton, you probably don't know much of the lore about Lennox Lewis, but yeah, as Beezer's talking about him, he uh, was definitely an ambassador. And uh, yeah, good stories there. Great guy. Great guy. Good stories there. Ashton, you got another question. I, I know we've gone a little bit over time here, Steve, but just a few more questions. Um, it's been a wonderful chat with, with you. Ashton, take it away. Steve, just a couple of weekends ago, uh, me and my dad went to the uh, TFC game. It was an amazing game. Uh, lots of electricity from the fans. And, uh, you know, given you were on the TFC beat for the last few years, um, can you share with the fans uh, what you think the TFC needs to, needs to do to um, hoist the MLS Cup again? Well, that's a good Ashton. That's a good question, Ashton. I, I, I think the simple answer is they got to do a lot. <laughs> they got, they <laughs> got a lot of work to do <laughs> because they're they're tied down, as we all know, with these two uh, these two contracts with the two Italian guys, Insigne and Bernadeschi. And I think the first thing they have to do now that they fired Bob Bradley, unfortunately, who he just he didn't, you know, the the problem with that is that Bob, the two Italian guys who I think are nice, decent guys, as as you know, away from the pitch, they TFC has to sit them down and say, look, we're paying you millions of dollars. I know this might seem like a bit of a holiday to you after coming from. Uh, Italian league, but we expect you to play hard every minute you're out on the field, which quite frankly, Ashton, I don't think you could say that about both those two guys since they arrived in Toronto last summer. I think Insigne's amped it up the last few games. Bernadeschi, he's, I think his game has gone south compared to the start of the year. And he's had, you know, as you know, he had a problem with his coach, Bob Bradley, and was benched. So I think the first thing they got to do the president of that team has to sit them down and say, we need you guys all in, no matter how tough things are. This team has gone through a ton of injuries, but you guys have to lead the way. And second of all, they need, you know, an attack, you need a forward who can score and get open. And they, I think they need an attacking midfielder to set their two Italian wingers up, which is sort of lacking. Part of that is Bradley's injured. Osorio's been injured a lot. But defensively, I mean, one thing you can say about Bradley, they compared to a couple of years ago, defensively, they're way better now than they were. They just can't score right now. So yeah. I think that's where you have to start. You know, if they, you know, frankly, if they can get rid of one of the two Italian guys and open up some salary space to try to address something else, that might be the way to go. But, 
you know, as you know, Anthony, that's a tough thing to do in pro sports. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. And yeah, great insights there by, uh, by uh, Steve Buffery uh, was on the T- TFC beat free. I think you said it was uh, five plus years, right, uh, Beezer? Yeah, I think it was five years this season. I think five. But years, I was a fan years. before that, and I, you know, I had season tickets for them uh, for a while. So yeah, as Ashton, I love, I love the organization. Oh yeah, as Ashton desc- described it, it was an electric atmosphere. We've gone to a couple TFC games, and uh, yeah, I saw your picture in front of the stadium. There. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time out there, and. Um, yeah, great insights there for you. I don't know if you almost can liken it to maybe what the Leafs find themselves in, like kind of top-heavy. I mean, does, does TFC have the the right pedigree of, of maybe, let's call them the supporting cast to work with those the, the, the two Italians you mentioned? Or what's the... Two Italian players? Yeah, the two Italian players. Yeah. yeah, do they have the right supporting cast around them? Is it is the category That's a good there? question, Anthony. At this point, they don't. I mean, they they don't. They need a they need a they need a forward who can score and open things up, and they need somebody you know that can find them, the attacking midfielder who can set them up because they're to me they're when they play hard, which hasn't always been the case, frankly. They try to do everything on their own. The team is struggling mightily. And so these guys would try to make things happen on their own, which you put you guys know you can't do in, in soccer, right? Uh-huh. You have to rely on your team. So, you know, the problem is when you've got so much money on these two guys, it's hard to like find the money to get fill in the in the holes, right? In other words, if they to get a really quality forward and a third really good third uh, DP. Thoriel's sort of the DP, DP now, but uh-huh. not really. But they have to open up some money. They're the highest spending team in MLS. That's people don't realize. Is that, that so? Oh yes. I mean, you can't knock that team for not spending money. Um, but they, this is a this is like this is absolutely proof. This team that how money can't buy a winner. You got to do it right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve, a couple more questions here. Uh, it's Dad over here uh, in, in the broadcast chair. And uh, this would be a perfect um, question to ask our best of guest, Steve Buffery, a, a distinguished career that spans uh, four decades and, and more to come. Um, just the changes and the rise of, of sports journalism, the way social media has played an unprecedented impact on it, uh, I mean, geez, we're, we're, uh, Ashton and I are talking in the form of a podcast uh, with you, our right. best of guests, and, 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 and having sports talk, if you will. I wonder if you can share your perspectives with the fans on how you think sports media, uh, journalism, broadcasting, all those wonderful disciplines that you came to know early in your heritage as, as a journalist, how that's evolved and, and kind of how it's changed and maybe what's next. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Boy, oh boy, we always, I remember we used to joke in, new, in the newspaper business how, how we used to be the kings of the press box. Yep. And now it's almost like, sadly, we're almost like second thought. I mean, it's like, you know, as you know, Anthony, traditional uh, media is, in sports as well is, is, is going through an incredibly tough time. I mean, newspapers are dying. Radio and TV is struggling. Um, that's why I think like a lot of these, even a lot of these journalism schools are are shutting down, um, you know, traditional journalism schools, uh, and and pod, podcasts and blogs seem to be the new wave. Like you guys are doing, I think it's fantastic that you guys are doing this. Unfortunately, you know, it's it's a kind of thing where 
you know, if you're if you want to do a podcast like you guys, like a great podcast that you're doing, you know, if if you need to do that to pay your bills, that's a tough tough slog. Like for for every podcast and and blog and whatever that does well and has huge following that makes money, there's probably a lot of out there that, you know, it's it's a tough tough way to go. And you know, if I was starting off, I I would try to do a podcast, but. It's a, you know, but I don't know, you know, I, newspapers, I don't know where they're going. They might be dying. Like, I think newspapers, as far as holding a newspaper, are numbered. Those days are done. I think you're still going to be able to read newspapers online, I think, for some years. But, uh, you know, I would think, Anthony, you'd probably know about where the media is going more than I do. I just think that uh, traditional media is, is on its way out. And, uh, yeah. People who do podcasts, if they want to do it for a living, they got to find ways to make it work, I guess. Well, you know, you're so right. These are great insights there. And I mean, you know, like yourself, even your role as a reporter and a columnist sharing information and opinion. I mean, just with the rise of social media and, you know, obviously you have such an esteemed career uh went through all the good practices and procedures uh, to to build your experiences but you, you you in these days it seems like anyone who has kind of a, a an account and can write something in uh you know 120 yeah. 280 characters or something yeah. can form that opinion which i mean i guess there's some brilliance about it but it does for for um you're right just the industry itself it seems to compromise all that wonderful standard and that high standard that that pros like you have been able to uh to create yeah that's a bit frustrating i mean the other thing too is it's all about clicks now i mean my last beat was tfc and quite frankly even though they've got a very good following in toronto in terms of newspapers you know tfc stories don't get a lot of clicks Mm -hmm. so my clicks were not high and you know i Basically, I, I I had a guy from our news department basically told me what the story the deal was. He goes, you know, you had a great career, you know, you covered this and that, but when you cover TFC, your clicks are very low, so the paper doesn't really care about you that much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to swallow. You know, you know, I mean, and if you're controversial on Twitter, that's great, but. Unlike a lot of guys who work for themselves, I can't go on Twitter and just say something totally wrong. Absolutely, yeah. You know, because, you know, there's consequences if you're a professional journalist, whereas some guy can go out and badmouth the TFC or badmouth the Leafs like crazy. He, everybody's like, oh, that's fantastic. Everybody's following, everybody's clicking them. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, you've got to, I guess there's a fine balance there, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a, a changing world that is in the world of sports media, for sure. Um, well, uh, uh, Beezer, we are at the final, uh, question here in this wonderful best of segment. And, uh, with the honors is my, uh, chum Ashton. All right. Steve, what advice do you have for young kids looking to become a hall of fame journalist, just like you? <laughs> uh, don't do it. No, <laughs> I'm kind of joking there. Um, you know, Again, I think keep an open mind, get your education, because at least if you have an education, you have more options. It's all about, as your dad will tell you, it's all about getting your foot in the door. So if you have an education, that opens that opens doors. Um, for our business, I would say keep an open mind. 
you know, if you're going to go to journalism school and graduate, you know, don't aim at one thing in particular. Don't just aim at newspapers. Uh, don't aim at in radio. Keep your options open and be fast on your feet. Like, think podcasts, think blogs, think uh, freelancing and making your name as a freelancer, which <clears throat> in our day was like guys who couldn't get jobs in, in the newspapers freelance, you know. But now you see a lot of guys out there doing well freelancing because it's cheaper for companies to just hire freelancers than staff writers, right? So I'd say, you know, get your education, which I wish I heated myself, and uh, keep your options open. And this, if you're thinking about doing this, Ashton, this is a good start. Uh, doing a blog with your dad, it's a fantastic start because you're going to have tons of experience by the time you're done school. What an outstanding uh, way to end an amazing segment. That's uh, national award winning and Hall of Fame sports media called Miss Steve Buffery, who've taken time out to join us on episode 46 of Champs and Chums. And uh, uh, Beezer, on behalf of Ashton and I, you know, if I could rate the headline so simple and impactful of the way this has turned out, it's best of segment with a true best of guest. It's been such a pleasure to reconnect with you. And, uh, you know, um, you know, our stories and adventures goes back uh, uh, quite a while, and it, it crosses a lot of sports. And um, as I told you earlier on in this great chat with you, um, having the chance to read uh, some of your work and then getting the opportunity to to do some of the work together with you uh, it was an absolute treat. You're you're a best of pro, but you're a superhuman being. And um, just before I uh I, we, we end our great segment i'd like to ask my uh, chum ash to, to say a few words to you well steve thank you for coming on the show it's been an honor having you on and uh you know you've inspired many people not just in canada but around the world to pick up uh, journaling and journal uh, journalism and is a uh, fascinating topic so uh i'm also really good and uh in uh, speech competition so um to see you doing journalism for uh four decades um is um amazing and it inspires me to keep you know getting better at a a speech well good for you action and you know i thank you very much and anthony action it's great being on the show and i really appreciate i kind of feel like i probably talk too much but uh you know it's fantastic. You guys do a great job, and I really was happy to do this with you guys because, like I said, your dad and I go way back, and he's a great guy. Um, so it made, it made the way you guys do this show, it made things really easy. Oh, that's amazing, Beezer. Uh, feel equally the same about you, and we had true, genuine father-son fun talk, every word that was shared. I think you actually need to consider having your own podcast uh, given all the great <laughs> storytelling we've heard on this segment. Well, one thing I didn't tell you guys is I can be very lazy. I thought of that. I'm not very technically, uh, you know, with it. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, something I consider. You know, well, bored enough. well, good stuff. Well, I anytime. you guys do, though. Yeah, you're, you're too, uh, you're very, you know, it's, uh, I like the way you guys approach it. It's just, um I'm a bit of a mumbler, frankly, you know, like when I used to do radio. So, uh, oh, come you know, on, man. Years. I, we, uh, many of the fans have seen you on, 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 uh, I, I saw some classic stuff from the grill room. 
When oh, you, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. You did wonderful stuff on television there, on uh, on Sun Television. But uh, yeah, a- anytime you need any uh, kind of uh, advice, uh, and uh, if you're thinking about podcasting, I'm sure you can include us in the in the wonderful sure. network of people just to to have a chat with. We're always happy to to lend our advice and help where we can. So uh, good stuff. Thanks a lot, Anthony and Ashton. Appreciate it. Great stuff. Ashton, you're going to take us to break on episode 46. This ends our father-son best of segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy June, everybody. Happy Father's Day month. We're so glad that you're with us here on Champs and Chums. It's episode 46, your co-host Anthony and Ashton here. And Ashton, it's now time for our All Pro Go segment. And fans, if you haven't had a chance to hear it, our All Pro Go segment is a Did You Know Sports Spotlight. That's where my chum Ashton will highlight a sport, a sporting activity, a sporting pastime, He'll do it all. Here we are in episode 46. And Ashton, um, I guess because of all your love for for, uh, for baseball, we're kind of taking a little bit of a track, maybe a little bit of a slower track. But uh, what are we going to feature here on All Pro Go? Well, we're going to feature softball. Softball, I guess, easily exchanged in description with slow pitch, I guess, Ashton. Yeah. But take it away. Tell the fans a little bit more about softball. Softball is a game similar to baseball, played with a large ball on a smaller field with only underhand pitches, where the ball is released while the hand is primarily below the ball, uh, permitted. Softball is played competitively at club levels, then college level and the professional level. The game was first created in 1887 in Chicago by George Hancock. There are two rule sets for softball, generally slow-pitch softball and fast-pitch. Slow-pitch softball is commonly played recreationally, while women's fast-pitch softball is a summer Olympic sport and is played professionally. Depending on the variety between... um, Oh, sorry. De- depending on the variety being played and the age and gender of the players, the particulars of the field and equipment vary. While distances between bases of 60 feet are standard across varieties, Uh, the pitcher's plate ranges from 35 to 43 feet away from the home plate. And uh, the home uh, run fence can be 220 to 300 feet away from the home plate. Well, that's a little interesting, Ashton. Sorry to interrupt. You're listening to All Pro Go here in episode 46. Ashton is featuring um, uh, softball. And um, in looking at the measurements, did I get that right? Did you say that the pitchers, I don't know if you call it the pitchers rubber, um, is it 35 to 43 feet away from uh, from home plate? You, you're playing uh, Brampton Community Baseball League. You're 44 feet away from, away from the plate. Yep. So that's awesome, man. Um, the ball itself is typically 11 or 12 inches, 28 or 30 centimeters in circumference, also depending on specifics of the competition. Softball rules vary somewhat from those of baseball. The game moves at a faster pace than the traditional baseball due to the field being smaller and the bases 
and the, fi- the fielders being closer to home plate. Softball is pitched underhand from flat ground. Is pitch underhand from flat ground with fast pitch using a windmill arm motion, while baseball is pitched overhand from a small hill called a mound, which changes the the flight of a pitch of a pit, of the pitch. Additionally, the entire uh, infield of a softball diamond is dirt without grass and the pitcher's plate. Well, there you go, fans. There's some great insights uh, for you in uh, softball, which is our all-pro goal for episode 46, and some really interesting stuff there, Ashton. I mean, um, I've always, I actually played some softball when I was in uh, in school, and uh, as as the description that you shared, uh, a ball that's 11 or 12 inches in uh, in, in uh, I guess the circumference, that's pretty big. Yeah, it's, it's really big. It's like big. when they say we're going to throw a meatball over the plate. Like, that that's a big honking meatball. Yeah. You know? Um, anyway, so that's that. Um, I'm curious, though, and fans, uh, uh, let us know if you, you hear. We, we haven't got this far into our great research with these segments called for. I wonder what kind of bats they use. Because, you know, like in T-ball, the, the barrel's bigger, the bat's a bit lighter. I kind of wonder. They use really long bats. Is it a lot longer? Is yeah. it different than sort of baseball? Because I think what we're hearing here, fans, is there's a difference between softball and baseball. Yeah. Um, well, and I guess kids, maybe maybe college level, they might use aluminum bats. In softball, they always use aluminum bats. That's and, right. And, and the aluminum bats in softball, they're really long. They're like at least uh 30 something inches uh where you know uh baseball you can pick how I many would inches your bat is yeah and i would venture a guess too ashton that the barrel would probably at the end would be a bit bigger as well actually i think it's a bit smaller okay well there you have it folks on good authority from co-host ashton here he knows the ins and outs the ups and downs of softball uh, it has become an Olympic sport, everybody. 1996 to 2008 made another visit into the Olympic Games in 2020. And, um, yeah, man, Ashton, I guess, you know, a lot of people kind of look at softball as a way that you enter into the whole official world of baseball. But you kind of did it a little differently. And then people kind of maybe come back to softball as they get a little bit older. Um, what are your thoughts about softball? Well, uh, you know... If you're, if you want to play baseball, um, you should probably start off with, um, uh, softball or, or like I did, you could just start off with baseball. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, as we said here, and I can tell you there's two different kinds of approaches in pitching. There's kind of your lob that you throw underhand, but then you, you know, you, you, if you haven't done it, fans, you should Google uh, fast pitch with the windmill approach. Some of these pitchers can really throw a windmill pitch in what they call, I guess, fast pitch, right? Um, a slow ball fast pitch. Anyhow, uh, that is it, everybody. That is our all-pro go. It is softball, and you're listening to episode 46 of the Champs and Chums podcast. father-son fun talk you're listening to episode 46 of the champs and chums podcast and ashton it's now time for our signature segment that's right fans it's our champs and chums segment where we select our stars on and off the field 
That's where on a, every episode we name a champ and chum. Sometimes it carries a great theme. We've had some in recent moments with the world of sports media, baseball. Uh, this one actually takes on a very, very special category. Of course, everybody, we're broadcasting episode 46 of Champs and Chums in a very special month. It's Father's Day. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about father-son, father-son fun talk every month of the year for our broadcast. But this one here takes on an extra special significance. So uh, your Champs and Chums have been uh, thinking long and hard about how they wanted to uh, share this with you, the fans and we've selected uh, the, the champ and chum, if you will, uh, for this episode. So, Ashton, uh, take it away with your champ and chum. Well, my champ and chum for episode 46 is you. Well, that wow. Well, that is so signature, um, so pointed, and uh, so very nice of you, Ashton, to, uh, to name your, your dad uh, a champ and chum on this episode. Um, but I mean, other than the fact that it's Father's Day, uh, what 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 uh, what might have sort of led you to to make that kind of selection for this episode? Well, you know, you're a really good dad, and um, you're the well. Now I play baseball, and I and I realize that you're the one who really got me into baseball. Uh, if oh, it's if true. it's if it's just throwing in the backyard or just going down to a Blue Jays game, telling me more about uh, baseball statistics, if you will. And, uh, you know, you're a great dad. Um, you're kind, you're cool, you're funny, you're smart. And there's so many other things to describe you because you're an amazing dad. Well, fa- well, that's very beautiful, Ash, and it's, um, it's beautiful to hear those words, and I'm glad that we're actually doing this podcast audio only because, um, yeah, I'm just feeling really great uh, about how, how you're speaking about, about me, and um, it's nice to, to hear that. Uh, I must tell you, being your sidekick here for all 46 episodes, uh, wow, soon to be this fall, four years and, uh, of, of this special father-son project. It really means the world to me that you would say those things. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you kind of look at all the different sports that you and I have had a chance to, uh, to share in, um, it's, I actually want to return serve for you, or actually I should say I should uh, uh, hit the ball back to you or throw it back to you because I actually applaud you, Ashton, for, you know, I knew you had a love for baseball and um, I just felt that you needed to bring it out on your own and uh, all I did was just try to uh, coach you along, inspire you and sort of hold you to what you said you, you, you were thinking of doing. And I actually think when you when you dial it back, at the end of this summer, and you look back at this baseball season, I, I, I think you'll probably feel really satisfied that you actually were part of a team. Yeah, it's a great feeling to be a part of, of a team. It is, and I'm so glad to be on your team, Ashton. So uh, thanks so much for your uh, special recognition to me. And I guess kind of the way that um, beauty and legend goes when you think of father and son is for me to think about my past generation. And um, I've talked a lot about it on this show. Uh, it continues to be special to me each and every day. I savor the moments and all the great experiences that Ashton and I have um, because I know what the value is of having a great father. And uh, I never had the opportunity, of course, 
because I um, lost my father at a very young age, but I wanted to take this opportunity to share with you fans that my champ and chum for episode 46 is my dad, my late father, my champ and chum, Alan Alfred. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to speak about the impact that one would make, especially because I, uh, I lost him. We lost him at a very, um, I was only nine years old when that happened, Ashton, kind of around the same time, um, as you are, were now. Right. And so, um, I tell you though, everything I hear about Alan Alfred through the stories is a man of tremendous, tremendous principle, a man that would command a room, a man that would give his hand and his heart to, uh, to many people, a man that was a tremendous orator, a man that was a leader, a man that could bring people together, a man that showed compassion, conviction, determination, great principle, effort, and um, did things in such a beautiful way. And um, I'm just speaking from the heart here, here everybody, to tell you that it, it feels like I've just followed suit and I'm so proud of that I'm so grateful for the contributions that my mom has made to my life uh, certainly as a father figure and some really special uncles that have been in my life and and chums fathers of great chums as well too long time chums that have some great influences on me but at the end of the day it's um the way that my dad and I hear the things he did I almost feel like I it was meant to be and um, in terms of the way that um, I see the world, the way that I uh, view what success looks like, what greatness looks like, what love and compassion looks like, what determination and effort looks like. And I, this is why I think on a special month like this on Father's Day, and Ashton, you know this, every Father's Day weekend, we always make it a point to visit your grandpa, Alan, my dad, Alan. And uh, what does it mean to you to do that? Well, you know, uh, we're paying respect to uh, your dad and, and uh, your grandpa and my grandpa, which I unfortunately never got to meet. But, um, you know, all the stories you've told me, um, he's a great man. Well, he sure is. So that's uh, my champ and chum, Alan Alfred, um, a hero in my mind. I lived nine years with him and he full forever be a legacy just like this special project with you okay good stuff everybody well there's a little bit more show to come this is a special episode a father's day episode of champs and chums you're listening to episode 46 of the champs and chums podcast Welcome back to Champs and Chums, and Ashton, it is now time to close what has been another outstanding episode. It was episode 46, close to end the chapter and put it in the books. Um, but as I always do, Ashton, on every episode of Champs and Chums, I always ask you in this segment, what did you learn today? Well, I learned of all the fun things uh, Steve and his son Tommy do. Well, leave it to Beezer, as, as his nickname would go. Yeah, uh, what a wonderful uh, uh, pro, uh, Hall of Fame, uh, uh, competent, and uh, national award-winning uh, journalist he is. And I've had the good fortune of working with him in the past, Ashton, as he told you the tales of. But to then 
now uh, fast forward to present day and hear him share some of those activities with his son, um, uh, Tommy, and, and how sports is integrated in in their lives and how they can share those things together. It, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And it sounds like he's a really good hockey player. Yeah, it does. But it also sounded like, if I remember, that uh, Tommy wasn't so much, like, he wouldn't watch too many of the games and stuff like that, right? But he would love to get out there and, and play and compete. So that's great stuff. Um, it was great to have Beezer on. What else did you learn? Well, I learned more about father son, uh, father and son duos in sports. Well, you sure did. And were there any kind of particulars that kind of st- stood out to you? Because we went over a, a, a stunning a fascinating duo, uh, lots of duos there in our gold, silver, bronze. Well, uh, just to name two people that I learned a lot more about was um, Michael Nylander and Jesse Barfield. That's right. When you match them up, everybody, the father-son duo was uh, Michael Nylander with William Nylander, as Mike Ross, episode 45 guest would say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was great for you to learn about those duos, right? Um, I'm sure Willie got a lot of his uh, good advice and uh, some of his raw talent, uh, uh, courtesy of, of, uh, of uh, his dad and the contributions that he made, among others. And then, um, well, I mean, Ashton, you would not know this, but when I was growing up, uh, you know, kind of all around the age of, of where you are, Jesse Barfield was the talk of the town. He not only was a great home run hitter, he would hit some of those bombs over old Exhibition Stadium, kind of where BMO Field is. Uh, well, it's on the other side, I believe, but nonetheless. Uh, and then he was he had a cannon of an arm. So his son, Josh Barfield, maybe not the same kind of numbers, but uh, I'm glad that you were able to see that uh, father-son is alive very much in the wide world of sports. Good stuff, uh, Ashton. Well, it's been a really special episode 46. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our special guest, that's best of guest, uh, Steve Buffery, for coming on the show. Uh, What great uh, words and sentences, which he's professionally spun together, uh, just recently stepped away from an outstanding uh, career with the Toronto Sun, and he shared some of the, uh, the new and exciting things on the road ahead for him. Uh, Ashton, who else do we want to thank? We want to thank the Power Girls and Uncle Dennis who helped produce the show. That's right. We want to thank the Power Girls and Uncle Dennis who have been there from the very beginning at Champs and Chums. We so appreciate your love and support. And Ashton, uh, speaking of love and support, we want to thank the fans. You guys uh, have connected with us through every, every step of the way of father-son fun talk about sports life and friendship. Where can the new fans... Go on and check us out. Well, they can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Podbean, and CastBox. Those are some wonderful platforms and many more to listen to Champs and Chums. And everybody, fans, we're on social. That's right. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. At Champs and Chums, our website is champsandchums.com. Ashton, this is going to be the most jubilant June kind of fist bump, my man. It's been a special Father's Day episode on Champs and Chums. And as we always say, cheers to champs, cheers to chums, and cheers to an all-star day. Thanks for listening.